Hi, I'm Todd Baker, Corporate Vice President of Engineering at Future Electronics. And we've talked a lot about on this podcast all the different changes that are happening in the electronics industry right now, all the different devices and, and, and applications that are coming uh, where electronics are needed that they've never been used before and how IoT has changed that. And we've certainly seen that over the last five years. We're now seeing that go into places like furniture, like doormats, uh, where you have a need for these types of electronic components. Areas we never would have thought of 10 years ago, uh, but companies like Amazon and others have changed things so much for us um, that these devices and a lot of times these companies that don't actually have electrical engineers on staff are finding they need electronics in their devices. Um, and uh, there are a lot of companies that are trying to address that. And we've talked a lot about how the, the major semiconductor companies out there are addressing this in some ways. But there's a lot of new upstarting companies and, and upcoming companies that are bringing new solutions to bear. And today I have the privilege uh, to be talking to Matt Johnson of Bear Conductive. Uh, so, Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Talk to me a little bit about yourself and talk to me a little bit about Bear Conductive. Yeah, thanks, Todd. I think that's a great introduction to us, uh, you know, to the context that we're playing in, um, putting electronics in places that people didn't expect. So, uh, yeah, my name is Matt Johnson, CEO and co-founder of Bear Conductive. Um, you know, Bear Conductive is really a company focused on integrating electronics into the environment. The technology set that we use to do that is printed electronics. Technically, we are a printed electronics company, but for reasons I'm sure we'll get into, we don't always view ourselves as that. We really view ourselves as a sensor company and an IoT company. Um, you know, frequently people ask, like, how did you get into this? Um, I think I've had an interesting journey. We, you know, we started the company actually as a result of a dual master's program in the UK. So it was a program focused on industrial design but with a really heavy engineering component. And um, we actually started with the creation of a unique conductive ink um, for a very practical reason, which is that we wanted to access printed electronics technology for prototyping. Um, you know, I think people you know, listening to the podcast and certainly people at Future understand how important it is to get your hands on technology in order to create new things. And the printed electronics industry, I feel kind of chronically uh, keeps uh, restricts access to new technologies. So we started the company with the intent of, hey, why don't we empower people to help us figure out what the future of these technologies are? And that's really paid off for us. Yeah, yeah, I, no doubt. And and I think, you know, uh, there's some amazing videos of things you guys are doing and some amazing growth and, and new areas that we certainly see you guys going into um, and, and, and really attacking markets and, and, and general consumer needs out there. Um, that's really exciting. What are some of the applications right now from your side that you're seeing a lot of that growth in and, and some maybe new things mm -hmm. that people hadn't considered before? Mm -hmm. I, so I would say that the best thing about what I do is that people see it as an enabling technology, which is great. That's exactly what we want. And so people are constantly coming to us with use cases that we didn't expect. And to me, that's the power of the internet in general, actually, is that you may have a problem that maybe you view as niche, but actually is a problem shared across lots of lots of people in different industries. And we want you to bring that to us. Um, the, the other side of that is that we have to have the discipline to pick where to focus. Um, we could focus in way too many places and not develop that growth. So for us, after 
um, after quite a lot of consumption of information and work, we think there are really three focused areas where the technology makes sense. Uh, the first is touchless interfaces, and that's certainly reinforced by, by the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, the next is occupancy sensing, and the last is water leak sensing. So yeah. I think to back up for a second, because people might say, hey, the, how are those things connected to each other? Um, all of our technology is focused on a, a simple technology stack, which is a printed electrode. So, you know, most people would say, oh, it's a printed sensor. So it's, we really would call it a printed electrode connected to a piece of hardware. Within that, there's a lot of subtlety and our, really our IP exists in the way that the printed pattern of conductive ink connects to settings in firmware and, and choices in hardware. But essentially to massively oversimplify what we do, we're making smart stickers that you can stick onto the environment. And, and to, to close the loop there, we think there's some great opportunities for touchless interfaces, occupancy sensing, so monitoring people in and out of space and detecting water leaks. Right, right. Yeah, and I think that's really exciting. And, you know, in those areas, I think the, the conductive ink that you have, it really, I mean, when it comes down to it, you're using capacitive sense properties that have been being used for the last 10, 15 years. Yep. Pretty commonly, I think that, that we've gotten used to that um, in a yep. PCB. Typically, there's a copper pour of some kind, you know, yep. or you've got some kind of copper tracing on a PCB. Mm -hmm. What's the benefit, you know, compared sure. to that? I think the solution that we've seen typically you know, has been that or an ITO layer on a, an LCD screen, <laughs> um, or, you know, I think in some cases we've got engineers that we've seen doing that on like a flex board, but it's still just a yeah. copper pour on flex. Yeah. So yeah. what's the benefit of your conductive ink compared to maybe those more traditional solutions? Sure. So I would say, I would expand that to what's the benefit of an approach of using conductive ink? Because in fact, we do have an ink that we use quite a lot, but then we have partners where we source ink from as well. And, you know, our, the really the core IP for us is the design of that printed sensor and then the hardware and the firmware. Um, and I think, so you're totally right. Um, you know, when I meet a kind of cynical engineer, they say, oh, come on, you know, capacitive touches in my smartphone, it's in the track of my laptop. Definitely, right. right. Capacitive touch is well established for interfaces and also for some precision measurement during precision non-contact measurement during some manufacturing processes and non-contact liquid level sensing. So, it, you know, it's a technology that yeah. does exist in, in, in devices around us. But there is a, and it's a bit esoteric, but we think there are some really distinct advantages in capacitive sensing for the ability to use low cost printed conductors over a large scale. So without diving, this could be an entire vodcast in itself. But um, <laughs> the key here is that with a printed capacitive sensor with the right design, you can achieve a large, low cost, high precision device. Normally, you have to pick two of those, right? You make it right. big and precise, and it's expensive. Or right. you make it big and imprecise, and it's cheap. So there's an interesting optimization that happens there. But the ability to use a conformable substrate again and again becomes really attractive. So when we look at water leak sensing, I was on a call this morning with an IoT integrator who typically yeah. uses water leak sensing rope. And he described um, some of the advantages of the rope. It's well-established, but also some of the challenges and it always comes down to the practicalities what he described right. is that the rope is quite stiff 
getting the rope to conform to the floor where the water leak is gonna be involves using lots of self-adhesive cable tie mounts. And he described that frequently the majority of the cost of the installation is just the labor because the rope is so hard to work with. So the idea of having a self-adhesive tape that detects water and is conformable to the surface is super attractive. Outside of the industry, that may seem trivial, but it's not trivial when it comes down to how do you really scale this to every room in a hotel, you know, or every square foot of a factory or every, you know, every part of a data center. And so I think it's the combination of precision and cost and coverage with the conformability that gives printed capacitive sensors some really interesting advantages. Right, right. And, and you show in a lot of your videos on the website, you guys have off the shelf, ready to go, you know, kind of designs already done with that, you know, and in some, you know, common, you know, uh, layouts for gesture recognition or for object detection and a floor tile, things like that. And, and those are great. What about those customer and design engineers that may look at that and say, hey, that's cool, but it's not quite my application. I need a, you know, something that looks like this. Is it customizable? And is that something that you can work with customers on? Yeah, there's generally three ways we engage with customers. The first is with the dev kit. So we've shipped over a half a million dev kits now. So clearly we're covering a big set of use cases already um, yeah. with lots of happy customers. And I think um, as an engineer, I want access to technology without barrier. So I love dev kits too. I'd love to just order something. And I'll tell you what, I'll call you when I have a problem, right? right. I don't want yeah, the pitch. Yeah. I just I just want to play with it exactly. and see what I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we offer that. Um, the second level is where we might need to start providing some more specific support. And so we, we've built a pretty robust model for doing that. And essentially that's about internal dev kits where the tool chain is not quite as user friendly um, as the external dev kits. And so what might happen is you would say, um, hey, I've got uh, you know a water leak sensing application and I tried an off the shelf dev kit and it doesn't have the sensitivity I require or I need a really specific substrate. You know, I've got um, a high temperature application or something. So what we would then do is say, okay, no problem. We'll adapt an existing design and print onto a specific substrate for you um, yeah, and okay. manage that process. And that's a pretty quick process, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, okay. I think the third level is where we typically go through the second level, we get to a, a development project. And that, you know, is really exciting for us. I think for us, the best example of that would be Ikea, where we're building sensors into the surface of furniture. And, you know, they have definitely played with our dev kits a lot. And we've done prototyping to really make it a product. We have to have an intimate relationship. And, you know, yeah. for that, we we build out a big statement of work. Um, but I think the key is providing those steps because we know that it takes, you know, you have to build confidence and you have to build trust and advocacy in an organization. And you do that through prototypes. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that's absolutely key. So, I mean, are you finding that a lot of those, you know, those customers you're working with, do they have double E's? Are you talking to double E's or are you talking to people that this is their first time really working with electronics? I, I got to believe Ikea not a company I think probably has a lot of double E's on stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm here to talk about Bear Conductive, but I will right. uh, advertise for them for free. Um, good, good. Yeah, actually, surprise. this is something we find that's quite surprising is that I think companies like IKEA, which are viewed as you know, not incredibly sophisticated from an electronic standpoint, um, 
I think that's a, a, a misunderstanding of, of them, especially yeah. over the last few years, because I think any company that's installing things into a building or into a home it is cognizant that IoT is going to touch them. And some of them are uh, some of them are, are, you know, purposefully remaining agnostic to it, but they're informed and others are embracing it. And so, you know, I would say that at the best, we definitely work with people that are incredibly sophisticated doubles. I mean, very, you yeah. know, really impressive people. And that's, you know, speaking personally, that's super fun because yeah. Yeah. it's just awesome. We engage and we discover new things together. It's great. I think on the other end, it's very rare for us to work with a company who doesn't at least have someone who can build a prototype with a Raspberry Pi or an Arduino. Right. And, yeah. and I think that's, I would say 10 years ago, um, the Arduinos were viewed as toys and they were viewed, they, you know, they were kind of um, degraded for their ease of use and their lack of capability. But I think people maybe miss the point a bit. What we see now is that actually we can build an, a dev kit that's in the Arduino universe and any customer that we work with is capable of following a tutorial and getting something to work. And the benefit there is that then I'm not pitching to them. They're calling me for support. Yeah, right. So exactly. Say, hey, I built something cool. My boss loves it. But uh, how do we actually make this work for real? You know, how do we make a thousand of these or 10,000? That's a great conversation because then I just call them and say, oh, OK, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Hey, by the way, why don't we take this to level two? We'll do some customization for you. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's that, is that where you see a lot? Because I, I know you guys have your sensors that you guys, uh, you know, have mm -hmm. already created for water detection, for gesture <laughs> recognition and, and, and that kind of uh, stuff. But are you seeing a lot of customization of the actual application circuit tied into your your ink? Yeah, I mean, I would I, it's probably something I would like to ch you make me think I should probably chart that because yeah. I yeah. get the sense intuitively we are doing uh, half as much now as we were doing in March. Right. It just right, feels, okay. you know, it, and I think we probably have a library of 50 to 80 different print designs, something mm -hmm. like that, that are well tested and understood. Um, I think that then, you know, we have a kind of equivalent different settings in firmware. Um, but actually, out of that, there's probably 20 designs that are really useful. And so it was hard to know when we started how much customization would be required. Would we need a library of 10,000 different things? But, you know, use cases tend to look really similar to each other. The customization level tends to happen more on the communication side, which is right. why the next big project for us is a full LoRaWAN integration and a, a well-documented API because really what we find is a water leak is overwhelmingly similar. The big customization is how much water do you care about and how fast? So do you care right. about, you know, a, 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 a liter of water, a milliliter of water? What is it and, and what, you know, what matters to you in, in the right. sensitivity? But then the rest of the, the stack is where people want to customize. So we need to empower customers to do that.
Yeah, yeah. And I think those tools for creation are, are critically important. So, I, and we've talked about the water leak sensors. And, and then the other thing that, that I think is really cool is, um, you know, the detection that a package has been delivered and is sitting there <laughs> on your doorstep, um, you know, has been, and, and that kind of thing. Um, that obviously, you know, once you've been able to detect that with your core technology, it's then a matter of how do I get that data up onto the yeah. cloud so that a user can yeah. see on his phone wherever they are uh, that I've got a package or I've had a pipe that's burst in my bathroom. Yeah. Um, you know, those kinds of things. What tools are you guys providing and, and, and things like that to help a, a, a customer that's doing the design get that information up onto the cloud? Yeah, that's a great question. I think from a, um, a technology perspective, it seems the most straightforward. Uh, I would right. say a lay person would go, ah, I've got a smartphone, I've got tons of apps. But yeah. from a infrastructure perspective and a cost perspective, it's unquestionably the most challenging aspect of our business. Um, I, I think for that reason, we haven't delivered any consumer facing connectivity yet um, because of the complexity of the number of devices and the number of standards that we have to interact with. So right now we're really focused on delivering to large customers that have you know, a contiguous infrastructure. Um, you know, we think that LoRaWAN is really the the winner in our space. Yeah. Um, you know, we have we have built other low power radio uh, solutions, which are very bespoke to specific customers, um, which have proven the basic concept of the technology. But LoRaWAN is is making it much more portable. Um, and I think we we envision that there will be a moment where there will be able to be configuration of the sensor done on the phone as well, um, right. because we think there's a lot of value in how tunable our sensors really are, but the way that we really deliver that is still a bit open. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So put another way, we love when customers have the ability to interact with an API and have an understanding of what kind of data might matter to them and what kind of data might, you know, what, what the prioritization is, that's something we can respond to really well. Right, right. And I think that makes a lot of sense because every single design out there has to be customized in some way. I think it, it's very yeah. hard to find. This is the one way everybody's going to do it this way. Um, that's certainly not what we see in the engineers that we work with, um, you know, within our customer base. And I think that's just going to be always the case across the board because engineers like to innovate. We like to do things yeah. our way. Our, every application, every company, every market that we're trying to build a product <laughs> for sees the world differently. And that's certainly one of the areas that I think, you know, our engineering staff and future electronics engineering staff is going to be very helpful to a bear mm -hmm. conduct customer as well. Uh, because we can come in and say, oh, well, you know, they've got a great solution for LoRaWAN that you guys are working yeah. on right now, or you guys have a great solution that connects to Wi-Fi, but you want to do this over cellular CAD-M. No yeah. problem. We know exactly how to do that. We've done 100 exactly. designs, um, you know, connecting a, a CAD-M uh, to the cloud or connecting a, a, maybe a unique LoRa solution to the cloud. Um, yeah. and, and so it's those kinds of things that, you know, I think with the engineering staffs working together of, you know, the, the customer engineer, the design engineer that, that's, that's building the, the product, the bare connective, uh, connective engineering staff with what you guys have created, and then the future electronics AEG helping to customize some of that wireless solution and that IoT solution. Uh, I think that's a really powerful combination that's going to accelerate time to market, whether you are, you know, a more sophisticated company like IKEA who does have a lot more engineering staff than maybe we would think, 
Um, or if you are a building materials company that's just doing tiles, you never exactly. thought you'd need electronics before, but all of a sudden you're selling a product into Home Depot um, and, and you need to make this easy for the tile installer. I think between yeah. our companies, we can absolutely help be, make that a very successful endeavor. Um, I I, I agree. I, I couldn't say it better that, that I think the building materials example is great. It's exactly what I was mentioning where they, you know, that hypothetical company is aware that IOT will touch them and that there may be value to be to be created from engaging with it. Yeah. But whether they like it or not, it's they're going to butt up against it. And I think yeah. one of the barriers is feeling overwhelmed by an entirely new technology set and I think people who are working in IoT tend to have a collaborative mindset in my experience and yeah. realize that partnerships are the way to make that work. And so and that's not true of every industry. And so for that tile company, I think they should see that future working with Bear is an amazing way to, um, to create a, a strong partnership, which allows them to take care of that whole stack. Because if they approached us, I would say, look, um, we are great at detecting something behind the tile, whatever the use case is, and yeah. we can get that information to the internet in a limited set of ways, but it exists in an entire context around, and that context is really critical. And so, you know, future provides so much experience and other technology, which makes the application that much stronger. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely our goal. So thank you for that. I, and I think, you know, the partnership here, I think, is, is a phenomenal thing. And in the areas of technology and, and the whole, you know, the, the engineering customers that are coming out of uh, what you guys are doing is really incredible. And I think opening right. up a whole new world to where electronics are going to play um, over time, which is going to be a lot of fun to watch and a lot of fun to be part of. And I think mm. that's, you know, you mentioned the community of engineers and how, you know, there's not, you know, we're willing to help each other in the IoT space. We work yeah. together because we're all excited about it. Uh, we all <laughs> totally. want it to be successful. And so, you know, it, we don't see when our competitor maybe comes up with something cool. It's not one of those, oh, gosh, so, you know, they, they beat yeah. me to it. It's, wow, that's awesome. Now now we've got a whole lot of the stuff I can do. I can learn from what they've done and maybe even, you know, take the next leap. Yeah with that yeah. and, and that's one of the fun things about engineering these days i think that uh, that partnership that desire to see everybody be successful um mm. is a really cool thing so mm, well definitely. matt i can't thank you enough for the time this has been an absolutely incredible conversation um you know for anyone that's watching and has your own designs where you're looking to integrate uh some bare conductive uh, product into your designs or if you're just interested in finding out more uh please mm. feel free to email us at shaping the future at futureelectronics.com Again, that's shaping the future at futureelectronics.com. We'd love to help you out with your design, make you successful, make introductions to the Bear Conductive team. Um, and again, can't thank you enough for the time today, Matt. All the best. Yeah, thank yeah. you too, Todd. See you soon.